Wasn't that worship amazing? It was almost my whole message just stolen in worship. Um, God is so amazing. And I hope that today, I hope you don't get bored with some of the boring stuff, as some of you might think history stuff is. But what what my aim is for you to grasp that we have this amazing Jesus, this amazing God who is our God with some other things thrown in. So, I'm following on from my esteemed colleagues, uh, Matt and David, and they did such a good job. I did feel a little intimidated until I was reminded that I needed to be me, and I didn't have to perform or be anybody else. So, let's turn to Hebrews 11, and I'm going to read... Verse 1 and 2, just to start us off. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And all the rest of the people we're going to read about today in the verses that I'm covering were commended for their faith. So if we skip down to verse 20, and we read from verse 20 to verse 31. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And I titled this uh, sermon, preach, talk, sharing, um, Glorious Inheritance. Because the one thing I was struck when I was studying the lives of these people that we've just read about, was that um, it was all about the blessing that God had given to Abraham and how Isaac and Jacob inherited the blessing from God. And I thought I'd just remind us of what it was that God blessed Abraham with. And you can read, you can read about the blessings of Abraham in, in early on in Genesis. In Genesis 12... God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and, and you will be a blessing. Sorry. 
I can't see you all. <laughs> Sorry, we'll start again. <laughs> I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God also went on to tell Abraham that he was going to give him a land that he had sent him to. Abraham had already gone into the land and God said, you see all this land? He showed him, said as far as that place to that place to that place, I'm going to give you this land as your possession. And God went on to make a covenant with Abraham for that very thing. God made a promise to him by making a covenant. And I think... Some time ago, did you talk on covenant where they would divide the sacrifice in half and both parties would walk through in between the two halves of the animal and they would make a covenant together? It's about the gist of it, isn't it? And God did that with Abraham, but God took the whole covenant upon himself. And God confirmed this covenant to um, Isaac and Jacob. He told them, both of them specifically individually that he was going to pass this promise onto them as well and through them to the whole of the Israelite nation and when we look if we go a bit closer into these scriptures we talk about Jacob um, blessing uh, sorry Isaac blessing Jacob's son Jacob and Esau Jacob blessing Joseph's sons and all this talk about blessing really got me thinking about you know, the blessing and the blessing. Um, as a little aside, I discovered that the Jewish people, today even, um, when they have their Shabbat dinner on a Friday evening, there's a part in the whole ceremony of, of the meal where the fathers get to bless their, their children and they say a blessing over them. And it's that um, blessing about may the... Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And I was so excited by that. I thought, wow, that's what father, the, fathers, the Jewish fathers do and the mothers, I think, today. Bless their children with those words and some other words. But they, it's a time where they can give their children encouragement as well. And it really excited me. You know, we might not do that in our culture Um, But God does that for us. He blesses us. And it really did excite me. Uh, I just started getting this whole feel about, oh, it's blessing, it's blessing. And you you read so often in the Bible about blessing. But sometimes we don't really think about what blessing means. We just think, oh, it's a blessing. But it's it's quite a good, big thing. So when we look at Isaac, he blessed Jacob and Esau. In regard to their future. And the tradition at that time was that the firstborn son would get the right hand laid on them and they would be blessed. And that sort of symbolized that they were getting the inheritance blessing. They were getting the double portion. That was their blessing. That's what they deserved as being the firstborn son. That was going to be imparted to them. But if you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob deceived Isaac into believing he was Esau, and he got the firstborn son's blessing. Earlier on in their lives, Esau had, been, had despised his blessing and sold it for the sake of one meal, just because he was hungry after a day of hunting. He sold his, that blessing, he sold to his younger brother. 
So God actually knew what he was doing. He told uh, Rebecca, his mother, when the twins were still in her womb, he told her that the older would serve the younger. So God had a plan. Even though Jacob felt he had to deceive his father, that was his blessing. That became his blessing. And Joseph, when he blessed, sorry, when Jacob blessed Joseph's sons, he had two of them, um, Jacob switched his hands around so that the younger son got the right-hand blessing. And you can imagine that upset Joseph a little because the older son deserves the right-hand blessing. But God knew what he was doing, and Jacob had heard God, and he obeyed and gave that right-hand blessing to the younger son. So they blessed their sons in faith and passed down the blessing that God had given Abraham. Um, and this blessing is the inheritance of the whole nation of the Hebrews. And they had faith that the God who promised would be faithful to his promises. And they knew that that land that he promised Abraham was going to be theirs. When um, one of the times God spoke to Abraham, God told him that his descendants would live in a strange land for 400 years and that they would be enslaved and ill-treated. And he also told him that in the fourth generation, he would take them into that promised land again. So I think that by the time Moses' parents came along, they must have known they were the fourth generation. They must have been expecting that sometime soon God was going to take them into the promised land. After 400 years of living under Egyptian domination, where they'd become progressively more and more ill-treated. And by the time Moses was born, the Pharaoh had issued a decree that all uh, Hebrew sons, that as soon as they were born, they had to be thrown into the Nile River because he was concerned about the numbers of Hebrews that were just being born and sort of think they were in fear of overtaking the numbers of Egyptians. So Moses' parents, by faith, they knew what God had promised. They kept Moses hidden for three months. They'd seen something special in him. And maybe, perhaps, maybe they'd seen, maybe Moses was going to be a deliverer. We're not told that, but they would have known that the time was coming to move out of the land. And then Moses. We read that he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter by faith. And he would have grown up as a prince in Egypt. He would have had all the privilege and the wealth, the education that Egypt could offer at the time. He could even have stood in line to be a pharaoh. He was that important in the land because of Pharaoh's daughter who had adopted him. But he chose, in faith, to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy as, the, as these verses say, the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he chose not to enjoy the wealth and the prosperity that could have been his as a, as a prince. And by faith, he also left Egypt. He didn't fear the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He'd seen God in the burning bush, and he knew who God was. He knew the promises of God. And by faith... He also kept the Passover when the destroyer came and killed the firstborn son of 
all the people in the land and the Hebrews were protected because they had put the blood of the sacrifice on their door posts and lintels as God had instructed. It must have been difficult for Moses to choose not to go with all the ease of Egypt because he would have seen in front of him, he would have seen the dire position of the, um, the Hebrews, but he chose because he knew, he knew about the promises of God and he chose to act in faith. And then the people, the Hebrews, they also acted in faith. They also believed God when they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. And when the Egyptians tried to do that, they were just drowned. And by faith, when they went into the land to conquer Jericho, the walls of Jericho fell. That was by faith. And the people had this faith in God that he would give them the possession of the land. And at the end of my list of scriptures, we also have Rahab. She wasn't a Hebrew. She wasn't one of God's chosen people. She didn't stand to inherit the, 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 the promised land. She lived in it at the time, but she was one of those people in the land who was going to be ousted by God, killed by the, by the Israelites as they took over the land. And it was her, the faith that's, that she's recorded for here is that she welcomed the spies and she was not killed along with those who were disobedient. So she swapped her inheritance of punishment Because God had said to Abraham that he would only take the people out of Egypt and back into the promised land once after the 400 years because the sin of the Amorites who lived there hadn't yet reached its full measure. So God had given these people 400 years to change and they hadn't. And their sin had reached the full measure. So their inheritance was going to be punishment. But Rahab swapped her inheritance of punishment and she actually became grafted into the Hebrew nation to the point where she's in the line of Jesus. She's the great-great-grandmother of King David. So she swapped that inheritance of punishment for the inheritance of the promise that God had given Abraham. And she is a picture of the church today because we swap our punishment for that inheritance. And all these, these Hebrew people, they had faith in God and what he said he'd do. Because they believed that the God who promised was faithful to his promises. And like Matt or David said, they had that hope stitched into their souls. They knew that they knew. They knew in their knower. That's funny. <laughs> and... And another, the amazing thing is that that blessing of Abraham isn't, wasn't just for the Hebrews in the Bible. It's passed down to every Jewish person today. The promise of that promised land is still there. God has still promised that that land will be theirs. And although some of the Jewish people live in some of the land that God promised, there is a fullness. The people, that's still their land. And... We, we learn from these passages in Hebrews that the promise wasn't only just about the land. And um, verse 10, in verse 10, we see that Abraham was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God. And also in verse 16, 
the, this chapter says, these people were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And twice we read in, in chapter 11 that all these heroes of faith that David talked about, Matt talked about, I've talked about, and that Pat will talk about next week, they didn't receive what was promised. So will they, although they in part received some of the promise, some of them got to live in the land and take possession of some of the land, they were looking for something better. They were looking for a inherit they were looking to inherit a kingdom a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom inheritance. Um, there's one scripture that I missed out when I was reading earlier about Moses. And it's verse twenty six. The writer says, he regarded, talking about Moses, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now Moses didn't know who Christ was, but he wasn't aware that there was going to come a redeemer to redeem his people. And he was looking for something better. And throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer talks about better things. There's a better country, there's a better possession, there's a better priesthood. There's quite a long list of better things. And this is where I think it gets really exciting. Who knows the song, Father Abraham? Who wants to sing a little bit of it? I would, but I can't. I'll start it off. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's go marching on. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that song gives us the clue. We are sons of Abraham. Not physical sons of Abraham, but spiritually we are sons of Abraham. And Paul writes to the, to the Galatians, and he says in, in chapter 3 of Galatians, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Further down in that chapter, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So we also stand in line for the promise of Abraham. We stand in line for a promised land. We stand in line for a blessing. But it doesn't mean that as non-Jewish people we're going to inherit the physical land in the Middle East. It doesn't mean that at all. But together with the Jewish people, we have a better kingdom that we are inheriting. A far better kingdom. It's waiting for us in the future. And Jesus was sent to earth, came and died for us to show us the new kingdom. And he told us that the kingdom actually starts here and now. We're living in the new kingdom now by faith. Um, Hebrew sons don't only inherit from their fathers when their fathers die. And we can see this in the story of the prodigal son. He asked for his inheritance didn't even mention his father dying. And they start to live in their inheritance while their fathers are still alive. 
I suppose when their father dies, they get the fullness of the inheritance. And it's a bit like that with us. We don't have to wait until the end of all things before we inherit from God. We start living in our inheritance today, right now, right where we are, in our society, in Beverly. We live in our kingdom inheritance. We live in it by faith. And there are loads of promises. Um... Loads of promises in the New Testament about what God has promised for us. When you read the Gospels, you read, there's loads of promises from Jesus. One of them that comes to mind is healing. We have a promise of healing. We can have the healing now, but some of us, we don't understand why. Don't get our healing now. But there will be healing in the future. In, in, the, um, in the new earth, in the new heaven that God's going to create, there's trees The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. There's healing that will come in the future, but we can have healing today as well. And we look forward to, there's so many good things in our inheritance. One of them, when Jesus returns, is our resurrection, and we're going to have new bodies. This old mortal, frail thing of dust is going to be gone, and we'll have a new body And we have eternal life that's coming to us as part of our inheritance. Without glasses. glasses. Thank you, Eddie. (laughs) Such a pain. (laughs) And it's all going to be fulfilled in Jesus. And then this scripture is the one that made me nearly jump out of my skin with excitement. Um, Shall we turn there? It's Revelations chapter 21. Reading from verse 1. And this is the vision that God gave John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Just blows me away. That's so amazing. That's what we've got coming for us in the future, but it starts now. This is a description of the city whose architect and builder is God. That is the picture that must have been in Abraham's mind. That's what he was waiting for, God's city. Not a city of man. And so just like all the heroes of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11, we are looking forward to a promise. And God who promised is faithful to fulfill that promise to us. And all those heroes of faith that we read about, they're waiting with us. They're waiting to inherit with us. Come to the end, suddenly. (laughs) 
So, as Christians, we have a choice. We can be like Esau, who was godless and for a single meal sold his birthright blessing. He chose the world, the pleasures of the world, rather than the promise of God. He was God's child. He was one of the sons of Abraham, but he despised his birthright. And I think this relates to us sometimes when we grow cold and we despise our birthright. We despise the blessing that God has sent for us. And perhaps we start to do things by tradition rather than by faith. Like David talked about Cain when he made his offering to God. It wasn't accepted. And that was because he just did it. It wasn't in faith. He just did it because he had to do it. And sometimes, I know I've been there, you can come to church, you can even praise God, lift your hands, sing, and it's not by faith. You're not feeling it in your heart. You're not thinking about God. You're just following all the actions. And I think sometimes we need to reassess our lives and check that we're not being like Esau. We're not selling out all the promises of God just for some fleeting pleasure. But the big challenge is that we should be like Moses. We should have that faith to be mistreated along with the children of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin. And here in Beverly, we don't really get persecuted for being Christians, but we can be mistreated. Children can be bullied at school for declaring who they are. We can lose out on promotions at work for being outspoken about God. So we can be mistreated. But the other thing is, Saying no to the pleasure of sin can be really difficult. There is pleasure in sin. Let's be honest. Some sins are very pleasurable. Um, And they're they're thrown at us. They're bombarded at us constantly in the media. Um, We hear all the time about our young people who get drunk so often. Drunkenness is a sin. Um, Sexual immorality is rife in today's world. And it's seen as a norm we, we look at sex before marriage. Well, it's, what, it's our right. It's our right to do all these things. But these are sins, and there's pleasure in them. But we need to say no to the sin, the pleasure of sin, and choose to be rather mistreated as God's people. And as we've seen, there's this amazing inheritance, this amazing promise that comes with being, having faith in God and being one of his children. Um, Rahab, we saw in Rahab, she, her inheritance should have been punishment. But she swapped that out for the blessing of God. And if there is anybody here, I'd like to encourage anybody here who perhaps isn't a Christian, if you aren't a child of God, swap out that punishment that's yours because you're in sin. Swap it out and get the blessing of God. God wants to bless us. He's not sitting in heaven with a big thunderbolt waiting to strike us down. It's a kind of favorite image of God for some people. God's not like that at all. He's actually got blessing in his hand, waiting to throw blessing at us. So swap out your inheritance of punishment for the inheritance of blessing. And Richard, would you play a song, please? While Richard plays, I'd just like us all to take some time to just think in our, in our minds about where we are. Are there any areas in our lives where we are being like Esau and are, are not really considering God at all? And also to consider how we would like to 
be in faith. How, what we would like people to say about us in faith. In faith, Amanda lived a life according to God's plan. You know, those faith things, think about where you would like to be with God. Father, I thank you for your promises to us. I thank you for the eternal blessings that we have awaiting us, Lord. I thank you for the new earth and the new heaven that that you're going to make for us, Lord. I thank you that you sent Jesus for us. I thank you, Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you keep your promises, Lord, and you are faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to you. And, Lord, I ask that you would bless all of us as we go out this morning. Lord, bless us with your peace. Lord, bless us with your joy. And I thank you for your amazingness, Lord. Amen.